begin with one minute of silence, and then explore whatever arises. So please join us for this one minute of doing nothing. What was your experience? Funny right now to notice my gut reaction of good is, but that's totally just a filler word that comes up immediately in, in response to that question. Mm -hmm. How was your experience? Good. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Similar um, to how are you good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so I noticed that was my initial reaction. Mm -hmm. After that, there's just some silence and maybe an inability to articulate the experience. Hmm. Something that was coming up for me was like a back and forth between what I'm calling the ego and the unconscious. We, before the call started, Sakman hmm. and I were talking about, uh, I'm reading some Carl Jung stuff and talking about this notion of the ego as part of the psyche and the unconscious as part of the psyche and uh, then like the whole psychic self. And so within that two minute period, it was felt almost like I was going back and forth between ego, which to me feels very head based and is like working on problems. It's pretty linear and is more connected to the general or maybe habitual sense of who I am throughout the day. Mm. And then unconscious is something that's, that feels a lot more vast and also drops down sort of within my body, the rest of my body and is something that's really unpredictable. And, uh, yeah, maybe that's a good word for it. Like I, if I'm in the space of quote unquote unconscious, it feels like it's somewhere where I inevitably don't know what's going to come up and then something comes up and then maybe my ego quote unquote attaches to it and mm. starts a sort of narrative train of thought about that thing. Mm. And then I can notice that and drop back into a space of unknowing mm. and unpredictability. And so 
kind of like that back and forth hmm. so is it like uh, would you say uh, that it would be it would be ego will be synonymous to thinking and unconscious would be you know is synonymous to feeling maybe thinking and feeling maybe so there's a way i've thought about that too and that there might just there may also be different layers of thinking hmm. like a thinking that's more ego based okay which to me signifies a sort of self consciousness like uh what am i going to talk about after this minute is over hmm. or putting together stuff in some sort of instrumental way like i'm doing this in order to do this thing hmm. um which feels maybe more in the self conscious realm of thinking hmm. and that to me is associated with what i would call the ego okay i wonder if there's also other layers of thinking that are not self conscious but mm-hmm. are just sort of playing with what's happening right now mm. um more exploratory uh if that makes sense that is like let's, for example let's say uh you know something happens in 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 the experience and you ask this question what is this so maybe that is a non ego based thought i would say if that question is not attached to finding a particular type of answer okay i, I think if the question is asked in a way in which there's some attachment to like finding out a particular answer hmm. um or maybe even confirming an answer that i'm hoping to find hmm. then that might be more ego based and okay. another one that's more like what is this and i'm not attached to a any particular answer or b even finding an answer but it's just like more of a hmm like curious hmm so i'm thinking more of like a scientist whereas the first one would be a pretty biased scientist which would which would block the ability to actually conduct good science but this other one is just like here's the phenomena and i don't have any stake in the game of it of what the results are mm. um but let's just look at it as closely as we can and find the best instruments to try to uh experiment with it uh, i'm not emotionally impacted by the results um and i don't want it to turn out any particular way but i just want mm. to see it as clearly as i can mm mm basically basically uh, what you're saying is removing the bias from the answer like any sort of expectation or mm. any sort of bias wanting mm. the answer to be in a specific way mm. yeah, so yeah. what i'm thinking is doesn't that the question arises that let's say for example when you ask this question okay what is this you know and there is this open curiosity towards it which doesn't have any bias so would that also involve feeling in that case or only like thinking about it is is something which will be you know uh, non ego based what what uh, what i can sense is maybe you know when when we drop into non ego you know uh, non ego based thinking as you are saying that might also involve certain sense of certain level of feeling that okay what is happening so when what is when we are asking this question what is happening or what is this so we are also kind of like rather than thinking about it which which would create a bias uh, you know uh, or you know which will come from 
information that we already have uh, kind of rationalizing it maybe dropping into feeling can give a more honest answer hmm. so mm-hmm. what what do you think about this think or feel about yeah, this yeah i like that it's it's sort of creating this evolving image in my mind of 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 me or the mind as like a researcher and hmm. so to go into the experimental paradigm or or into the lab i have to drop what i'm thinking and hmm. sort of open into quote unquote feeling hmm. um i don't know how it is that i do that but i i do that somehow it's like okay let go of thinking and now i'm going to switch into feeling mode i'm doing something um mm. so that to me it feels like i'm utilizing some sort of instrument mm. that is is looking at phenomena and then it's filtered through whatever instrument that i have and then i you know take some notes and then i'm back sort of into the thinking mind mm. about that phenomena mm. it's just a way of symbolizing it mm. and but then i can so i have that and then i might want to go back in and mm. drop into feeling and then the feeling is filtered again through my thinking mind it can continue to like create this data mm. Um, mm. and i yes. wonder if the the sort of non ego or less ego based thinking mind is also very aware of the limitations of my instruments um mm. because it's i really don't know what this phenomena is mm. i can try to measure it and symbolize it but what is feeling like i don't i don't know but i can try to describe it and mm. maybe my instruments can get better and better like i can develop more and more of a an ability to tap into feeling or the unconscious but mm. it will also it will always be a pretty crude representation of what that stuff is for me to try to put it into words or concepts or mm. to communicate it to someone else like i'm thinking mm. of the that the line from the dao the the dao that can be told is not the eternal dao mm. and mm. but i can keep trying to tell about the dao and maybe i can keep getting closer to it in some way but i can never actually tell the dao or speak of the dao mm 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 yeah that that also put a question to my mind that you know as you said the feeling part might also have some filters so maybe there is a difference between also feeling and being just just maybe the state of being because what what i can sense is uh, you know this idea of wanting to feel something also can can have a bias in the sense mm-hmm. that okay maybe i'm wanting to feel a uh, certain you know energies or emotions which, which you know let's say wanting to feel happy let's say and i'm kind of my mind is biased to feel happiness but also there is this deep involvement with the bias in the mind and any any form of thought i you know uh, any form of thought also would create some filter so when when we say some anything related to i you know that okay as as you mentioned like my instrument or you know my instrument should get better then there mm-hmm. is also this ego of i that is coming in in that you know okay that this is my instrument or mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. then maybe there is there is something which is 
to to have a more pure experience there is something which is beyond thinking and feeling uh-huh. you know just maybe the state of being so then maybe being would be something that you wouldn't even be able to observe because it's also within you and behind you like when mm. you're looking through the the microscope it's it's not only there it's everywhere it's mm. kind of not even worth at that point investigating but what what do you think of that good that, that's really interesting to me mm. and i was just i wonder if feeling and thinking are filters on different levels or if they're kind of on the same playing field that was mm. interesting to me too when you said feeling maybe also has a bias because mm. uh, that's like like what i said okay i'm going to go into feeling now and mm. so that limits me in terms of what i can experience because i'm sort of intentionally doing something so i, yeah, I do have some bias yeah because the question arises that what is feeling then when you when i'm when i'm saying that okay let's feel so what am i doing you know for feeling mm-hmm. so what what are you doing do you think maybe i'm i'm, I'm kind of sensing for some energy in my body then but but then again that is a bias you know that okay for feeling is sensing of energy this is a bias you know i created bias that right. feeling is sensing of energy but maybe it is something more than that you know maybe it also has other aspects of it so then feeling now for me feeling in the purest form would be maybe just being you know so so that brings in the question that again feel is feeling actually the state of being or feeling is something which has bias and being is something separate you know that is what i'm still trying to figure out <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the 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 tricky part implied there because you you're saying i'm still trying to figure it out which implies a you yeah to, to figure it out which is something yeah. separate <laughs> yeah. maybe that's the that's the limited extent of the the ego mm. mind reaches mm. that point inevitably again and again yeah of just some inherent frustrated peak mm. of exploration Mm. that that can't be transcended because there's the implied what uh Sri Ramana Maharshi called the root thought or like the root assumption of a me that mm. is separate from this thing and yeah. if i could only i'm still trying to figure it out but that it there's still the implied distance between me and that thing which is maybe what's keeping me from mm. understanding mm. quote unquote it because even it implies there's some subject object separation yeah and which makes i'm sure we've talked about zen koans before in, th- in these meetings which mm. to me that's kind of it seems to me like the point or at least part of the point of a zen koan is to get you outside of this framework of thinking that that implies a subject and an object mm. and that just kind of short circuits the ego into a spontaneous feeling of being like yeah. so you just get it like oh you know then of course you probably go back into your thinking mind ego based way of seeing the world but you might now have some little like memory of that experience that is beyond the reach of separate eye to grasp 
and then mm. maybe you maintain that momentum through more koan practice or meditation practice and then mm. just like kind of get it over time yeah and you know uh, what what i also other thing that i found, find interesting is you are talking about uh, you know this short circuiting and uh, you know kind of giving up this uh, illusion of a separate self which is separate from you know the the observer and the observed being separate but it also reminds me of uh, i think this is you know maybe we have discussed this previously or uh, you i read it somewhere about uh, nagarjuna and and his disciples and they were like i think alan watts talked about it that you know they were meditating and uh, they got into that state of void so that state of void was kind of just giving up everything and just being you know what we are talking about that state of being but then what nagarjuna said was that this state of void this state of being is also a concept is also an idea mm-hmm. you know that there is to 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 for reaching enlightenment or for being enlightened you know you have to give up uh this everything thinking feeling and everything and just be but then this being is also a thought you know we again have this idea that enlightenment is reached through being so mm-hmm. it's important to void the void it's important to even go beyond that and give up this concept also this idea also that you know that there is something called being or there is you know because again that is also a concept that we are holding right on. right do you think these do you think that so when we're talking about being or the void mm. or whatever it might be and then concepts so like you have an experience of the void or void mm. and then you inevitably have some grasping to that which yeah. then takes it and makes it something that it isn't um, yeah do you think that these are mutually exclusive or can they coexist these these two things if that makes sense because it almost sounds like you know if you're if you're using concepts or if you're just talking about stuff in this way it's almost like you're failing or you're you're missing the point or yeah do you think that inevitably is the case or is there a way of talking about these things or they're thinking of concepts having concepts hmm. that doesn't deny or isn't mutually exclusive with whatever the quote unquote like real thing is yeah yeah i f- i feel it's like you know it's like uh, i think we discussed this before it's like this talking is like the board that takes us to the shore Mm-hmm. you know which takes us to the shore of of experience of uh all all this talking about and you know all this saying that okay this is this void this being and void the void but i think it kind kind of helps us to let's say experience again this is a concept but like if we can go, get close to talking about that then the experience of the void that maybe you know the idea is sitting in a meditation uh getting to that state of uh, void and we are getting to that state of void because we talked about it because we learned that you know so this talking is helping us in our experience part and then hmm. how i can see that you know uh, okay and i'm just now looking back at my experiences with meditation and 
I I I can totally relate to what Nagarjuna said uh, about voiding the void because for me that void experience is was so blissful. You know, it was like, and uh, I think many people who practice meditation, the listener who is who practices you who practices it. would have had those experiences in meditation where you experience a certain kind of bliss you know and and then and th- there is this uh, good feeling about it and you know we don't want to come out of the meditation and mm-hmm. come into the body and it's like we are it's having like kind of having an out of body experience it's so blissful and and we feel okay this maybe this is the state of enlightenment or this is the state of that awakening mm. but then again what nagarjuna meant was that this bliss is also an attachment this bliss is also an idea you know mm-hmm. that idea that we are holding so mm-hmm. not even being attached to that and voiding that as well you know is is that experience so the the good thing about talking about this is that during the meditation then during the experience it it takes me deeper and deeper into that of maybe okay. just kind of i think it I, i think there will be no absolute point where uh, you know uh, we don't experience anything but the more we understand it the more we go deeper into our experiencing of voiding the void and then voiding that void and then voiding that right void. right yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. so mixed with i i thought of it this way before again it makes me think of science like there's at least in my understanding there's there's no actual proving of anything but you're really you're kind of continually wiping away untruth like you're just getting closer and closer to sort of revealing truths mm-hmm. by by finding things that are not that have been shown to not be accurate or true mm-hmm. but you can never like have it you can never have capital t truth but you can continually just sort of see well it's not that it's not this it's not this and by doing that you're kind of you're becoming more intimate with it but you can never actually have it as something separate to say this is what truth is hmm hmm also That's- just just before i forget it have you heard of you were mentioning like the experience of bliss in meditation and hmm. uh the 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 maybe the attachment that we might have to that have you ever heard or come across freud's words on the meditative state or the blissful state no he i think he referred to it as the oceanic feeling um or someone else wrote it that way in a letter to him maybe and mm-hmm. his interpretation was that it was a repression or it was a like a desire sort of a, a childish desire to to reenter the womb uh and to go back into that sort of cared for um states inside mm. a, a mother's womb mm. uh so and i believe to him it was seen as sort of a defense mechanism of sorts like the desire to have this feeling mm. is to go back to a state where i'm a child and i'm cared for uh mm. just, just kind of interesting just maybe think of that attachment to that state potentially maybe something similar mm. Mm. yeah it's interesting but 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 i'm thinking that what might be the uh kind of negative uh, effects of that you know that that attachment um because not doing that or not experiencing that also 
uh, or saying, you know, maybe what Freud thought about that as something maybe of a co- coping mechanism or, you know, in, a, in, the ne- in the negative sense, would be kind of denying that experience to ourselves, which we can have, of, mm-hmm. you know, of bliss. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, pe- uh, people experience bliss and joy in, in the world in relationships through through sharing love or whatever that is. But I think what how I see it maybe as a as a self-love. So I would not judge it because uh, I see it as a self-love practice to enjoy that bliss just by by yourself and mm-hmm. not you know being dependent on someone else. Yeah. That is just a that. feeling that you can have now mm-hmm. versus it being maybe a longing to return to a certain state it's like actually a feeling of love and bliss that you can just find and feel yeah right now in this moment yeah yeah Mm. yeah Mm. you know you mentioned just mentioned about science and there is this uh uh like interesting thought in my mind which i wanted to discuss with you uh and that just popped up in my mind for a long time that how science uh, you know, how science approaches things. And what I just realized was that science is kind of, you know, it seems to be a, uh, it seems to be a, the way science is practiced today. It seems to be a very slow process to me because what's happening is that it is kind of a denial of a subjective experience, which is, which is there. And mm-hmm. it's, it's wanting to prove things now, proving things through instruments, which we create ourselves might take de- centuries and you know that will that is slow process so for example let's say you know we we have this experience of uh, uh, initially psychology the field of psychology and you know it was more of psychiatry where it was thought that we are just born in flesh and you know the consciousness aspect of it was not uh, you know considered and uh, when when uh, before let's say you know in that 18th century or 19th century uh, when someone would uh, have this experience of uh, mental illness, uh, they would they would look into the brain for for the solution. You know, they would uh, they would test the brain because that was something which was physical. That was something which was objective. But then the practice of psychology, psychiatry evolved because they saw okay, it is not just about the brain. There is something beyond that which Freud talked about consciousness. So it took time for science to reach there to understand, okay, there is beyond something, the physical world as well. You know, then there were things that were uh, discovered beyond the physical world, which which is quantum physics, you know, which we cannot see with our eyes, which is uh, in, in uh, the, the spectrum of light, which is beyond the physical visible spectrum, you know, infrared, ultraviolet. Mm-hmm. So what I, what I feel about the, uh, science is that it's, it's kind of gradually evolving, but people have those deep experiences which we have till now, which science has not been able to discover yet, you know, uh, through their instruments, which is, for example, this experience of bliss that I'm talking about. So science would today say this, we don't believe in this or this is not true because we don't cannot prove it in the laboratory objectively. But it is true in the experience of millions of people, you know, experiences like out-of-body experiences or near-death experiences. It's just that we haven't developed the capability yet, you know, the instruments yet, which can measure that. And it might take like centuries to to get there. Right. I mean, and at least it does seem like 
there's some research that's trending in that direction mm. and like the research of psychedelics and mm. all these kind of things but I know at least for myself I've moved away from an interest in research and maybe it's just through my doctoral training and just not really enjoying that whole side of things and you're having to take especially maybe in the world of a meditation or a quote-unquote mindfulness or bliss or happiness or these things that are so subjective and feeling based yeah. and having to take these sorts of experiences and give them such limited definitions and yeah. to then you know you're limited by the way that you define them the way that you um, measure them the way mm. that you recruit certain types of people to research them and like all yeah. the, these things. And to me, it, it just becomes less interesting to research it. And I wonder what it even serves sometimes because sort of the person on the other side of it, you can tell them about it, but does it even, uh, I, I feel like at least for me and maybe for you too, it seems to be this is the way that we are operating in the world. Um, my hope is just to communicate about this stuff in a pretty subjective but very direct way that hopefully can just give the, the person I'm interacting with some sense of the experience, hmm. which, which they can just feel in themselves in totality without having to like understand all of the, the research behind it. Cause it's all kind of unreal in a way, like all of this, like the, the ways that we conceptualize things and, there's just something to be felt. And like, when you mm -hmm. feel it, then you don't need any other proof. Yeah. Uh, it's just there. And then you, and I think even like in, with regard to certain practices, like maybe you don't need any of that stuff. If you have a sense of what it is, you know how to, if you just sit in silence for long enough, like you know how to build it and you know how to access it and you know the answers, if only you can go internally to find them. And maybe that's what research can do is it can give you some sort of motivation to do that or some proof but yeah. it might all be like unnecessary to me and even like more confusing because it might send you off on some goose chase like to get something <laughs> and or maybe confirm in your mind that there's something out there for me to get if only I can keep reading these different things and keep trying these different practices and maybe it's all just here um, but it mm. takes a certain like opening mm. To, to get there. Uh, have you ever heard of the, or maybe I mentioned this before. I also don't know if I pronounced the name right, but Nasruddin, are familiar Nasruddin. with that yeah. character? Yeah. Uh, my, my friend introduced me to this, to like the sort of the stories of mm. Nasruddin. How, how do you say? Nasruddin. Nasruddin. Yeah. Um, and so have you, are you familiar with the story of, and tell me if I've mentioned this before, because I've shared it many times and I think about it often, but the story of him and the, the lamppost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, also, there's an, also a talk of yours on that, right? Yeah, there is. Yes, I have listened to that. It's very interesting, but yeah, I would love to uh, know it again from you and for the listener also. Sure. And, and so I, like, I think of it often with relation to research for whatever reason in science. Um, and so there's this story of this character, Nasruddin, and mm. he has uh, lost his keys to his house. Mm. And so he's 
on the, the street somewhere on the sidewalk and there's a lamppost and uh, some grass and the bushes. And so he's, he's there, he's looking for his keys in this particular spot and he's like looking around and a friend of his or someone who knows him walks by and recognizes that it's him and comes over and says, hey, what's going on? What are you doing here? And Nasruddin says, I'm looking for my keys. And so the friend's like, okay, sure, I'll help you look for him. Let's, let's look around. So they keep looking in the same spot under the light and they're looking for a while. And eventually the friend is like, where did you lose them? Like, where, where was the last time you remembered having them? And he's like, oh, I lost them back at the house. Um, and so the friend's like, well, why are we looking here? And he's because uh, the light's better here. And that to me, so that's the story. And that to me symbolizes my thoughts on what we're talking about in terms of science. Like we were limited by the lamp and the light where it's shining. And maybe yeah. it's inevitably like kind of far away from the house where we, we know where the keys are, they're back there. And maybe the door is even already open, uh, mm. but it takes us having to trust ourselves and not depend on the light that is down the street um, mm. to find these answers that, and I wonder maybe if the light just kind of stays off there because mm. you can't turn the void, quote unquote, into the concept of the void, then it's back at the lamp and the light post and it's away from the house. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it also reminds me of, uh, you know, what Lao Tzu said, as you said that the, the Tao uh, that can be told is not the eternal Tao because, uh, you know, sa what the way mainstream science functions today is kind of trying to define the Tao, you know, and, and mm -hmm. objectifying the Tao, whereas the Tao is just the experience that millions and billions of people are having, but science is talking about object kind of testing them in the laboratory, which is kind of like defining the Tao, which, you know, louds are advised against. Right, right. It, it will kill the purpose of that. Yeah, so, yeah it is that. I, I, I like that phrase, objectifying the Tao. I think that might be a good title for the episode. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do you think about um, shifting into some practice? Sure, sure. Let's see what comes up. Okay, so to the listener, we enter now into the last segment of our session today. And you can, if you want, you can meditate with us and you can get into your posture, whatever that is for you. And if you wish, you can also close your eyes. And we can begin by maybe bringing our awareness to our breath and observing the flow of the breath, the journey of the breath in and out of the body.
and now think of an experience that you had that might be special to you that experience might have been in meditation or any mystical experience or any spiritual experience or any other experience that maybe was different to you and gave you a sense of bliss peace joy just think about that experience and bring it into your present moment and then in your mind's eye visualize that there is a friend of yours in front of you and you want to tell about this experience to your friend what will you say about this experience how will you explain this experience to your friend you can have that imaginary conversation in your mind right now now notice the difference between having that experience actually when you had it and the explanation of that experience in words notice the difference between the two
and then gradually you can bring your awareness back to your body. And in your own time, you can come out of the meditation. That was cool. <laughs> is, is that a framework you've done before? Did it just come to you? It, it just came to me. <laughs> I like that. That's, that's cool too, because that comes from your unconscious and then you turn it into something <laughs> conceptual yeah. to communicate it. And then I have my own kind of unconscious experience of it. And then I think about it and I can share it back to you. What was your experience of it? Uh, it was making me think of sometimes when I wanted to share with others about hmm. these kinds of experiences and then noticing how it's just maybe impossible. And, <laughs> yeah. and I kind of have over time, sometimes I will try in detail, hmm. but mostly I'll just kind of let go of trying to communicate it and then maybe explore the underlying motivation for communicating which is probably just like a wanting to connect uh with mm. the other person mm. and that <laughs> just becomes a much more simplified message might even mm. just totally like shift from me sharing about it into just hey how you doing or <laughs> something <Yeah>. like a <laughs> right for a person just like a pat on the shoulder or, or something which yeah. get, maybe gets me like the same from even maybe a much more pure form of kind of what I was after in the first place. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it, uh, it reminded this, uh, it reminded me of something similar. It reminded me of uh, my first meditation experience in which I experienced that bliss that I was talking about. Mm. You know, it was kind of an out of body experience. And I remembered, you know, trying it to explain it to my friends and, and family and you know I, I I was just met with disappointment because they were like you know this is this crazy person talking about I don't know you know what spiritual stuff which we don't understand and right it, it was actually frustrating <laughs> uh -huh. so yeah it was interesting to notice that difference yeah one way I was attempting to explain it in my mind was as if I had pillows strapped to my body that were heated mm. just a comfortable heat also and they had uh um massage like machines inside <laughs> <laughs> that was like my explanation of the feeling nice you explained it quite well actually <laughs> yeah I remember trying to explain just like, you know, that I was floating in, in the room and these kind of things. And they were like, this person is, is mad, you know, he's gone crazy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, sounds good. Great. Yes. And thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. And I'll see you next time. See you. Thank you for joining us in the What Is Now experience. We hope that you liked the episode. If there were any insights or ideas arising for you as you were listening to our conversation, then you can share those ideas through your comments. We would love to know. Stay tuned for the next episode. Namaste.